Chris and Will here, and you know, you guys, we have a challenge for you, and it's all about the red shirt. That's right. It's been a symbol of pride since 1991. In 2020, we're spreading the message of diversity, equality, and kindness with the red shirt challenge across the globe. On June 6th, join the world in wearing your red shirt and help us bring us all together hand in hand. Go to kindredpride.org to register. Join us June 6th with your red shirt. Show it off. Hashtag RSPD. It's the show that makes us talk. Why did the orange stop rolling down the hill? I don't know why. Because it ran out of juice. <laughs> what about our life? With Kristen Will, season two. Hello, hello again. How are you? Hi. We are doing wonderful and staying home again. <laughs> um, we are so ready to get mobile, but we're going to be mobile. We're going to be moving in probably within the week. So, yeah. Uh, we'll be busy, but uh, overall, we're good. We're still at home here in Orlando, Florida. So how are you wherever you are in the part of the world? Mm-hmm. It is another Stay Well special. Special episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Mm -hmm. And this week, we're talking about something really great. It's kind of a positive and maybe a little bit of a negative. A positive is we're talking about happiness. Yay! On the downside, we're talking about disruptive routines. Yes. So a little (laughs) bit of a positive, a little bit of a a negative. But it balances itself out, though. But it does. It does. We have a wonderful guest, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, what is the secret to happiness? You know, I once was looking for the true meaning of happiness, and Really, it's in you the whole time. It didn't go anywhere. You don't have to go on a quest to look for it. It's you. I mean, as you've talked about before, it's your style. It's just basically who you are. It's feelings, in my opinion. You know, whatever gives you that high feel, it's happiness. Well, I would say like that natural high feel of just enjoying life in you know, lo- as you would say, love yourself and the world will love you in return. That's happiness. I mean, that's, oh, yes. that's amazing. So do you think that uh, happiness can be miserable? Yeah, because if you look for it in the, in another, in the wrong way. And what I mean by that is if you think happiness has to look or feel or um, even And what I mean by that is, you know, oh, I'm going to be happy if I do this or if I do that or if I look this way. Decision making. Exactly. When really it has nothing to do with that. Absolutely. And that comes in with pleasing people. Yes. Pleasing people doesn't necessarily make you happy. It makes you fake happy. Exactly. Because if you think that, okay, if I please such and such person, 
my happiness comes from their happiness. But that's actually incorrect because then what if you please them and then you're left feeling, you know what? I'm actually not happy. Hmm, what's wrong Absolutely. with that? And you know, and you can make others happy based off of your terms and it's not really considered pleasing people. Exactly. Yes. Because, you know, we all like to get stuff from other people. We, we do, but if we're expecting it, it won't happen. Yeah. But if they do it in their terms, when you already know how they do things, then that's going to make you happy because you're almost expecting that design of them to come to you and you're already, you've already been drawn to them. Either so, that or yeah. you're expecting to not expect anything. And then guess what? You may get something and then you're happy. I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, my note sits there and tells me, uh, is there truth in happiness? And I'm like, oh, that's a given. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting. Yes. Um, my senior year for my project in high school, um, my English teacher, Mrs. Grawet, had us do a project. And one of them was to come up with any quote and put it into the project. And the one I chose was happiness is a permanent vacation. Now, Absolutely. I don't at the moment, I don't know who said that quote, but I do remember the quote. And I just that has stuck with me for gosh since I discovered it, you know, and surroundings makes you happy. Mm -hmm. You know, the family that you choose, whether it's your physical family or your uh, other side family. Yeah. Uh, you know, your friends, your acquaintances, those people make you happy. And, you know, a lot of sometimes people ask, well, how can an acquaintance be your full happiness? Because you know how they are. You enjoy being around them for that matter of time, because an acquaintance technically just means that they, they're part of your life, but they're not part of your life all the time. But also it could be that because you don't fully know them, how they respond to you spontaneously, because you're not, there's no expectation yeah. there. That could be happiness too. Absolutely. And you know, happiness brings strength. Yes. It brings yes. strength. It builds strength. It keeps strength in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, because when I smile, you know, you hear that term, oh, well, most sad people smile a lot through their pains and fears or whatnot. But, you know, yes, I've gone through a lot in my own life, but there are many, many numerous times where I'm smiling because I am authentically happy. And that is strength. That's also courage because when you're smiling, you're just, it's, what was it? I'm not sure for certain, but it takes only four muscles to smile and over 50 to frown. So think about that. You're using less to smile and you're being happy. There's not, it's simplistic. There's not much to it. I'm smiling right now just talking about it. Absolutely. And you know, it's not hard to be happy, you guys. Yeah. You find what fits for you. That's what makes it happy. I mean, we're all, whether you're young or you're older, you know, we all somewhat know the difference between right and wrong. Yes. And so when you do certain things, you know where that happiness is coming from. So again, it's not hard to be happy as long as you 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 own the responsibility of what you're doing and what you say and how you do it. That's where you're and true not be afraid of that. Absolutely. It. And don't use yeah. don't use revenge and negativity as a way to bring you happiness. Just find a way to settle with it. Yeah. You know, again, you 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 know the right and wrong. And for us, it's the same thing. We know what's right and wrong, but we do what we can for ourselves. I mean, yeah. we've been through 20 years of 
all kinds of ups and downs. And we're not going to go into detail with that because we talk about that in the documentary. Yes. But at the end of the day, you have to, you have to go and find that balance to what works for you, Uh your relationships. That's another good one because that's where you find true happiness. And that's where the authenticity comes from. That's right. So again, you have happiness is within you. You just got to look for it. You got to find it and you got to manage with it. Well, you know, it's already in you, so you don't really have to go look for it. But I think what Chris is referring to is just be more aware of just the present moment and happiness will be revealed to you. In a sense. Absolutely. Well, I came across this article on uh, psycholo- psychological <laughs> uh, psychology today. Um, I came across this article. It's called Five Proven Truths About Finding Happiness. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Number one, it talks about about half of our happiness level is controllable. Really? Yes. Interesting. It says about 40% of our happiness is under our control. Wow. 60% is predetermined by biological set points and recent life events. Interesting. Very, very interesting. We are born with different temperaments and every, and everything else being equal have a tendency to maintain a certain happiness level of our lifetimes, high or low. Wow. Very interesting. Some people are just born happier than others. Wow. That sounds a lot like me. (laughs) Yes. Thinking of a smiling baby versus a fussy baby. Well, you know, you say that. And I mean, I even told you this when we first met. I like to collect smiley faces, whether it's pencil eraser toppers or beanie babies or plush pillows. Just the fact of a smiley face makes me smile. So... Yeah, yeah, I can see that example. Absolutely. Yeah. So the second truth about happiness, it says, a happy life is different from a meaningful life. Mm, okay. Absolutely. Now, I'm really not going to go into the definition of that one because we're going to talk about that yes. with our guests today. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to move on to number three. Mm-hmm. So the third truth about happiness is the quality relationships make us happier. There's truth in that. Yes, there is. The more quality that you are with. Now, if you're single, that can mean your best friend, Uh whoever it is, or that can be your cat. That could be your dog, whatever Mm -hmm. quality that you have or whatever bond you have. That's a relationship in here. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, he found the, one of the uh, psychologists had found that the quality of relationships was strongly connected to happiness. Lonely people were less happy and had poorer health. And people with higher quality social ties were the happiest. Wow. Okay. Is what they believe. Now, that's not necessarily all true. Right. But. But there's, there. it's, everybody's different. So there's a balance. You know, absolutely. you have to find for your own self. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Then it goes into number four. I lost my. Of course, I lost my train of thought. Number four, it goes, happy people are more successful. Again, there is another proven track. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) If you're happy with what you're doing and how your life is and where you're going in life, you're more likely going to succeed and succeed greater because you're going to put energy into it. Yes. You're going to put more energy into it. It's kind of like saying, I look forward to going to school or going to work any day of the week because you enjoy it. So the more you enjoy something, the more you're going to put 
positive energy. But don't energy force to it. it, though. It has to naturally occur, though. So, like, if you say, oh, I'm going to enjoy going to school today, that's not really going to be because you're just forcing it. But if you say, I'm going to enjoy going to school today, notice how it changed. And it's a natural, or at least my opinion, it's a natural happiness. It is a natural happiness because you're going to be more productive. There's exactly. More. You're absolutely going to be more productive. Well, they also listed proven ways to increase happiness. Okay. Okay. So it says researchers have found that practicing certain actions, deliberately seeking out positive states of mind, and improving the quality of our relationships can make us happy. So, yes. Okay. So savor your daily experiences. Is mm, one of them. Okay. Pause to delight in the smell of a flower. Yes. Maybe. The sight of a hummingbird yes. or, um, you know, the taste of a certain food, yes. something you enjoy. Then it goes into get involved in meaningful volunteer activities. Okay. Again, stuff that makes you happy. Yeah. It goes, research shows that giving to others can make the griever and the receiver feel happier. Yep. And it doesn't have to, again, this is one of those things where it doesn't have to be, oh, because, because there are certain organizations out there. Okay, I'm going to do this and that's going to make me happy. No, you got to find your own happiness in like if you're going to do something nice it doesn't have to be for a yeah, huge thing absolutely. it could be just somebody a random person if that's what your happiness is then do it it also goes and says find a more optimistic point of view there you go yes <laughs> is this a way of life to look at your life with more hope and appreciation okay very great question yep yep can you focus on your strengths and achievements rather than beating yourself up over your failures? Uh, yeah. That yep. one's a toughie. I uh -huh. will admit that one. Yeah. Then it goes into practice gratitude. Mm -hmm. Research shows that writing daily or weekly gratitude diaries or writing letters of appreciation can improve your mood and health. Yeah, absolutely. And finally it goes mediate. Okay. Meditation actually changes areas of the brain. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's related to managing stress and regulating your mood. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you, and you don't have to have it to where it's like 20 minutes a day, you could do it just 10 minutes when you wake up in the morning or wherever your happiness is where you want to do it. That's where it's going to occur and you know and when i say mediate you can find in forms of meditation you have to kind of mediate your uh, mind to get to that's right meditating it. exactly so that's why i put in there it, it'll go meditate yes i could tell you to meditate but if you mediate your mind you're in, to go into meditation right. you're choosing you're choosing mm -hmm. and you're choosing the right path so exactly so yeah that was an interesting uh perspective to have i agree in a sense yeah so let's move on really quick to disruptive routines we all have them. <laughs> yeah we all have them and especially for ourselves i mean right now we're at home we're normally doing this in a studio so it's something unusual for us. We've had some time to get used to it. I can't say that we are, but we are ready to be back in the studio. Yeah. But I do got to admit, we've adapted pretty well. Well, we have, you know, we've, we've, yeah. we've changed ourselves and then, mm -hmm. you know, that's the one thing we've been talking about a lot is changed. Yeah. So we've had to change ourselves. I wouldn't say forced to change ourselves, but we had to choose to change ourselves yes. to 
feel the difference, make the difference and do something differently. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't bother us as much. Exactly. So, yeah. So I would say change is another big one. Um, Again, it goes down into happiness, you know, do something that's constructive for yourself. Do some hobbies. Yeah. Create a new temporary routine, but make sure you put it in your head that it's temporary. That's though. right. Yeah. Because, you know, if you don't, then you're going to get used to it. And then you're going to be right back at the beginning of this. Or you could do sort of like a balance. Say, hey, maybe something in that temporary routine. I actually like that than my regular routine. So you could take that one snippet out. And then when you go back to your normal routine, just kind of. Like yeah. rearrange some find stuff. Find something that is you. Yeah. And find something that motivates you. Exactly. So find, when you need a project, if if music motivates you, then turn the music on. Exactly. Whatever it takes to help you get through outside of your normal routine to right. create a new normal routine, uh-huh. then do it. There are a lot of options out there. You just got to kind of figure it out and relax. Big one yes. is relax. Calm stay calm. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Relax through it. So disruptive routines doesn't really have to be a disruption. It can simply just be a temporary off switch Uh until the world reboots itself. And then you can go right back to it. You know, I'm very glad that you brought that up because when we first met, you know, and when you had, this is something you've known for years, but um, when you would say, you know, disruption, like, Whenever I was having a bad time in my life, you would find some type of disruption to get me out of that worry zone. And I thought, oh, well, you're just distracting me. You're just distracting me. You know, this isn't helping me any. You're just prolonging whatever is going to happen. But hearing you say this today, really just it brings everything all around and says, you know what? It's really part of the process and learning to adapt and accept that. That is where the truth really is. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of like what we've been talking about, but CBS 17 actually did a report on disruptive routines. Okay. And they said the same thing that we just said. And they said to get out of those disruptive routines, take a walk, do something different, try to temporarily change yourself and, you know, find comfort Mm -hmm. in a sense. So we're on the right track, but you know, we all hate getting out of our, our mojo. Sometimes it's, it's hard and we all hate getting out of what we're used to. But Mm -hmm. again, sometimes getting out of your comfort zone is not always a bad thing. That's right. Because there just might be something outside of that comfort zone that you would have not have ever, ever thought of or seen or experienced. And then you're like, Wow, I actually really like that. Absolutely. And be you. Exactly. Be you. Whatever you can be yourself. Never change you. Just be the style that you are. Never let anybody or anything in life change you. Find your way to be you. Do what you do well and continue it. If you got to alter it, alter it. Know that you can always do better. Know that you, yeah, you could have changed things in your past, but it doesn't matter. What matters is right now and how you move on. Mm -hmm. So be you and be the best way you can. Yeah. You know, don't do what's bad for you. Stay away from the negative that harms you. You don't want any of that. Trust me, you don't. So being you helps you maintain the negative of disruptive behaviors and or routines, and it helps you find happiness. Yes. A lot of key elements in that. Because today, our special guest with us is none other than Dr. Christine Carter. Yay! She is a sociologist, and she is a top happiness 
expert. <laughs> yes. That's absolutely. She is an engaging speaker. Actually, she's the most sought out speaker uh, in the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's highly recommended. She has been on the Dr. Oz show. Rachel Ray, Oprah Winfrey show, Today's show, The Daily Show, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. So she's got a lot of great books out. She was also an advice columnist on the Greater Good magazine. Ah. Absolutely. So we're going to talk to her about how we can stay happy during all these trying times and get some advice on disruptive routines and how we can stay even more happier. Yeah. So sit back, relax, because Dr. Christine Carter is coming up. want to welcome our special guest, Dr. Christine Carter. Hi. (laughs) Glad to hear it. Hanging in there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Along with all all the rest of us, we're we're keeping busy to keep our minds busy. It's the way to do it. Tell me a little bit about your background. I am trained as a sociologist and um, for many years I was the executive director of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley and I'm still on the advisory board there and um, do a little bit of work for them, but mostly I'm just an author, speaker, and a coach. So I've um, I have a new book out called "The New Adolescence: Raising Happy and Successful Teens in an Age of Anxiety and Distraction." Great, uh, which is hilarious now <laughs> that I have all four of my kids home trying to, <laughs> trying to learn from home. I have two. I have four teenagers. Wow. Um, so obviously I write the books that I need. Um, two of them are college students that are home and um, two of them are high schoolers. Wow. So you've got your uh, your whole quarantine all set up for you then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, right, that I'm doing for my work and the kids. Um, are texting me the whole time, like, who's sucking all the Wi-Fi? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Competing with one, one another for it. But I'm, I feel really grateful that everybody's healthy and, um, and that they're all managing to learn and they're very independent. Yes, <laughs> yes. absolutely. Little kids right now. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a, that's a tremendous plus right now. Gives you some breathing air, I guess. So, oh my God, Absolutely. Well, I have seen you personally on many different shows, obviously, and you talk about a lot of different topics, which we're going to kind of go through. But the first one that interests me the most is the one where you talk about true happiness. What exactly do you consider true happiness? So interesting. It's an interesting question because it's evolved over the years. So I wrote my first happiness book 15 or 16 years ago. Uh-huh. And um, and I I think what is what true happiness is to me has has in, in fact evolved. Um, I so I think of happiness as being really distinct from pleasure or from gratification, which I think it gets confused in our culture a lot with. Um, and right. it's really you know more akin true happiness or lasting joy. These things are more akin to finding meaning and fulfillment in our lives. They are, of course, also about 
being able to access all of our emotions, including the positive ones, right? So a lasting joy involves feeling grateful and um, being able to, you know, foster a sense of awe in your life or inspiration or elevation. Certainly it involves compassion and love and other forms of connection. So it's, it's being able to access all of these emotions and foster them and, you know, um, and also have a sense of really real fulfillment and meaning, which is not always a happy place, right? Sometimes when we're at the most meaningful places in our lives, right, we're doing the most meaningful work, we're also um, uncomfortable. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's not pleasurable in the way that we usually think about happiness. Yep. Absolutely. And that kind of runs into what I was going to ask next is, do you think that um, separating negativity for happiness, do you think that's real happiness? Or do you think that uh, it's temporary that the negativity is just being pushed aside so a person can go back into their negativity? Um, Well, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, but I'm going to take it as this, right? Like, can you put can you even push aside um, negative emotions. Can you suppress them? If you distract yourself from them, does it even work or is it just a temporary fix? Right? So no, you can't, right? Emotional suppression doesn't work. In fact, we know with, um, certain negative emotions or the more challenging emotions like, um, anger, for example, or anxiety, the more you avoid it, bigger it will become. And, um, and the, the human body will actually amplify negative emotions that are being suppressed because these um, more challenging emotions have important functions to sort of get us out of the um, harm's way. And, um, and so if we're ignoring something that, you know, and if we're ignoring anxiety, for example, um, our body or our mind or some, something about us thinks, there's something to be afraid of, that there's some sort of danger. Now, that may or may not be true. There might not actually be a danger. But if your body thinks that you're in danger, it will continue to amplify that anxiety until you have no choice but to face it. So a much more functional, high-functioning and skillful way to manage our more uh, challenging emotions is to learn how to metabolize them, right? To learn how to integrate them into our lives to let let ourselves feel them because the research shows that that means that we won't we won't um experience them for as long we might experience challenging emotions as often or even more often than it um, people who are suppressing but the length of time they that we experience them for is much much shorter right they pass through us it's all a part of the human experience wow, wow. Very interesting. So I also saw that uh, you did a presentation uh, called Happiness and Its Causes. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, that was a, there was a series of, of conferences that, yes. that are put on by Tibetan Buddhist nuns. Really? Oh, okay. Wow. Conferences. Yes, and it's called Happiness and Its Causes. And this is, you know, the Dalai Lama has always had a lot to say about the causes of happiness. I think that he's a really, really great source um, right. on that. I highly, I highly recommend the conferences. Um, what One thing that I think is fun to think about is that from a scientific 
perspective, we understand the causes of happiness. And from a like a wisdom tradition, you know, every great wisdom tradition, including Tibetan Buddhism, um, they, they understand some of the causes of happiness. And the two things line up, the scientific community is catching up with the wisdom traditions um, uh-huh. and, and, you know, sort of validating a lot of what our grandparents knew, probably, or great-grandparents. Like, this is not, um, I often say that science of happiness is the science of the blazingly obvious right. <laughs> a lot of the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so I just think that that's, you know, important for us to remember, like, it's, happiness is not as mysterious as we make it out to be. We right. feel like happiness is elusive to us because our culture is steeped in marketing messages that point us in the wrong direction. Wow. And so, you know, like what, what a brand is telling you will make you happy is almost never true, right? Like Absolutely. it's not if you're pursuing material things outside of yourself there will never be enough. And that sense of craving is definitely not true happiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say for people that are, gosh, dealing from public social uh, gatherings and and now they can't do that? Basically meaning those individuals who are constantly on the go, constantly out constantly around people and absolutely love that they find that that's their happiness is they have to be within groups and now all of a sudden because of what we're going through they're forbidden to do that so they're kind of finding ways to fill that to fill that void and that and that disruption i guess so what would you say would be the best advice to give to them to how to deal with it for as long as we have to go through this i think finding workarounds is really important like not going into total isolation so um so and to you know you can be disappointed that it's not as good as the real thing uh, uh, also right like they're not perfect right so Every um, week I go out to see my parents, but they're really vulnerable. And also my parents are really enjoyable. So people don't understand, like, I'm like going out. This has like always been one of my favorite parts of the week. My parents used to come to our house for, um, for dinner. Uh-huh. Uh, and like, I really like my parents. They're really active. They, they might be older and they do have underlying illnesses, but I don't ever have to take care of them, right? Like, so this is one of the greatest things about right. my life is that mm-hmm. I just have this fun relationship with my parents and now I can't see them. Right. And I can't hug them and I can't have, they can't come and eat a meal with us. Well, we go out every, I mean, I drive, you know, an hour every Sunday afternoon and we have set up this like outdoor thing, like under an overhang when it's been raining and we sit six feet apart from each other and we eat our own picnic lunches like we just I just like bring food my husband and I will go out they can't see their grandchildren it's not as good as them coming over for dinner but it's still it's like okay we're still touching base I'm still I'm not going to go for a month without seeing my parents or even longer at this point in California we're we're on we've been doing it for a month and we've got some time to go wow Absolutely, absolutely. So finding a workaround, right? Like I also walk my dog every uh, every evening after 
um, dinner. And when it's not raining now, instead of listening to a podcast, I'm calling a friend, right? And just touching base with them and finding out about their experiences. These are people that I used to see face to face regularly. So you just, you do what you can and you get to feel disappointed that it's not as good. It's okay. Yeah. Wow. So this kind of goes into what we were, um, talking about can you tell me in your opinion what the difference between a happy life to a meaningful life is yeah so happy happiness is a positive emotion that exists in the present it kind of goes with might go with something like engagement or passion and it's there's nothing wrong with happiness but when researchers look at um people who are leading a happy life and people who are leading meaningful lives, there is, of course, a lot of overlap between the two. But I think it's really interesting when you look at the groups that are happy but not meaningful and or meaningful but not happy, right, like they have in terms of their lives. Because what we see is that um, if you're happy but you don't have a source of meaning in your life, and meaning is usually social value or, like, purpose mm-hmm. that relates to something larger than yourself, right? Some way that you're engaged in the world and contributing to a community in, um, in some way. Wow. So the people who are happy but they don't have a source of meaning in their lives tend to be pretty selfish and shallow. Like literally that's what the researchers said. They're like, there's no other way to look at it. Uh-huh. And the happiness is, tends to be more fleeting, right? Like it, it comes from everyday pleasures, right? These are... Um, these are people who have greater resources to um, access pleasurable experiences and things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's that it doesn't last. And um, it, it overlaps a little bit too much. Uh, this is me editorializing now. Um, the research didn't necessarily show this. But it's what, what I think is happening here is that um, you, you start to uh, look for gratification instead Instead of positive emotion, like a more authentic source of happiness. And gratification is not a positive emotion. It activates the reward system in the brain. And um, that reward system, as we've probably all heard a million times, it, it releases a little hit of dopamine. That dopamine, the function of dopamine is to create craving or desire. Wow. Right? So it motivates us. Right, but it doesn't bring us happiness. It just brings us craving or desire for right. more, and so that's that's where it sort of feels hollow and becomes the sort of pursuit of material things or external happiness. The people who had meaning but no happiness—that was really interesting because almost always happiness will follow meaning in that we find a sense of joy or other, we are able to really access positive emotions from meaningful events. But when the going gets rough, um, oftentimes the people with a lot of meaning in their lives, the the pleasure and the happiness will drop out, right? Like the people who lead incredibly meaningful lives, like think about um, great leaders like Nelson Mandela, for example, Uh like he spent a huge percent of his life in jail. His life was incredibly meaningful, but probably not often happy. And that is, you know, meaning often requires 
sacrifice and um, difficulty and discomfort. So none of those things are going to trigger the reward system in your brain, but they will give you access to any number of positive emotions. So it's the meaning brings lasting joy, if not short-term happiness. Right. Sometimes it brings short-term happiness, right? Yeah. But, um, but not always. That's not the point. Right. Right. Absolutely. And you were talking about finding your purpose. So would you consider if, uh, if you find your purpose that you find your happiness? Oh, I think definitely. I think absolutely. I mean, you're not going to, it's not a guarantee, right? I think the only guarantee with, um, with happiness is, um, is connection, right? The best mm-hmm. predictor of a person's happiness is their um, connection or the breadth and the depth of their connections to other people. And so what meaning does, especially when we think about it as our social value, it provides us with connections. And um, to other people, we understand our context as being larger than ourselves, and that is connected, right? Like if, if you have a sense of your own meaning or your purpose and value to the world around you versus uh-huh. just to yourself, yeah. um, you feel connected. You feel a deeper sense of connected connection. I also think that it quite literally brings us connections. Um, to other people, right? Like in this crisis right now, I've pretty much spent all day, every day on the phone doing podcasts like this and webinars and things, giving people uh, tips for how to manage their kids at home. This is like a whole new thing and Uh how to work from home and how to cope with all their disrupted routines. Like these are areas of expertise that I have developed over the last two decades and now I can offer it to people. This gives me a really strong sense of meaning in this difficult time, even as I struggle uh, at home to sort of cope with my own disrupted routines, right? Mm -hmm. But I have this larger sense of of meaning, and literally it's providing me with all this connection because I'm talking to all these people. Like, I've never spoken to you before, but now I have this connection. Yes, yes. (laughs) Right? It's fun. Of course, yes. Like, you know, being social, even though I'm isolated. Right. Absolutely. And that's a good point to have. Do you think that, um, all right, here, let me set this one up. So basically, if an individual goes about their normal adult life, and it could be a kid as well, and they do certain habits or they do certain things that are almost patterns to their parents and how they did things. So do you think that happiness can be like how they deal with their happiness or go through their life with their happiness could Mm -hmm. be almost an inheritance type deal? Yes, I love, I actually love that setup because you, you sort of emphasize the habit piece of things. When we find ourselves doing things the same way that our parents do, which of course that's like we learn our behaviors, right? And those end up as habits, and um, then we do them on autopilot, right? Like we we don't think about them, and people then um, associate our our habits with our personality, right? And so right. things I think are inherit, inherited genetically, like maybe our emotional, you know, our emotionality, for example, like 
how much we feel things, but how we express our emotionality and whether or not we develop emotional intelligence, for example, will really depend on how we're, we're parented, right? Like, were we given a vocabulary around different emotions? Mm-hmm. Was, did somebody help coach us through it? All those kinds of things. And those things become habits, right? So it's not all, it's not that nothing is inherited genetically, but I think when it comes to happiness, we have so much more control than we've ever thought of. And that like even the, um, even the Sonia Lubomirsky research, she's even backing away from it. So she, like the, the idea that 40% of our happiness is within our control that's like, that's not, that's an oversimplification. It's based on, I just don't buy it actually at all. Right. I think so much more of our happiness is a choice for us. And it's really the choice in our behaviors, but it's also the choice in the types of habits that we get into. Hmm. So if we're getting enough sleep, if we are getting enough exercise, if we have enough social interaction with other people, those things matter so much. Any one of those things can tip us into depression if we don't have enough and um, can correct um, a depressive tendency if we, you know, as much as or more than medication. Well, wow. it's a little bit harder, right? Like, you know, it's so much easier to um, take a pill than it is to exercise for an hour a day, six days a week, right? Like, so it feels harder. But, um, but when we look at what's effective, like a lot of this is, is absolutely within our control. So what would you say for, uh, like, for example, for, for Willie here, mm-hmm. the, the biggest struggle that Willie has now, generally, Willie is known as a tremendous hap- happy person. Yes. <laughs> He's got a happy personality. Everybody that knows him recognizes him for that. Uh, I mean, he collects smiley faces, yes. for goodness sake. So <laughs> his personality is generally known as happiness. But sometimes Willie falls off that curve a little bit mm-hmm. from anxiety because his yeah. parents aren't in a happy place and uh-huh. can't continue with that. Yep. So he almost finds himself fighting with himself over the truth. Cause I know you yes. talked about that a little bit, uh-huh. but um, what would you say to like for himself when he knows that they're not living their actual truth and the truth of what they're saying or what they're doing, but because they are parents to him he knows how he's trying to live his truth, but they're keeping him from doing that. Thank so you. do you have a, is there a method to a barrier to where he could stop the anxiety and keep his happiness full time, knowing the truth, believing the truth without letting somebody's non-truth come in and take it away? Yeah, you know, the, the only thing that we can do in those situations is keep our own side of the street clean, right? Like it's, we are, um, I, I just think that it's easy to sort of fall into a, a little bit of a victim mode when we've got, especially people who we're so closely tied to, right? So somebody who is not living their truth, it becomes easier to focus on them. And, mm-hmm. you know, that can be very toxic to be close to, yeah. right? It's a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And so the, the only thing that we can do is really bring it back to ourselves and our truth and remember that the truth is always kind right a lot of times we start to 
Um, I mean, we're speaking very abstractly here, but, uh, but right. this is a pretty common scenario in which a lot of times people will not live their truth in order to not upset other people, yeah. for example. Mm-hmm. And because we think it's like we just don't want to hurt other people. Exactly. But it, the, the truth, it doesn't like live. The truth does not tend to hurt other people in general. We are afraid that it will. And it, it might be very difficult for other people, but then they might arrive at their own truth, right? So it's like these sort of um, living inauthentically is very stressful. Oh, Pretending yeah. to be something you're not is mm-hmm. extremely stressful. Yeah. And um, judging other people, uh-huh. very stressful, Yes. right? Yeah. Like these things are hard. And so the more we can lead by just living our truth. Now that doesn't always mean that you have to say your truth. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. You don't have to like impose your truth on other people. That is yeah. not what I'm talking about. I just mean not lying, not pretending, and um, and trusting that if you live your truth, if you tell, don't lie, and if you don't pretend, other people will be able to heal themselves. It might be upsetting to other people. Um, and that's okay. Hmm. That's very, that's a very great point. Now in talking about that, why is the power of truth telling important? Well, because it's so stressful to the human body to lie, right? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot, we could talk about this on a lot of levels, but from an anxiety perspective, since that's something that you struggle with, it's yeah. because um, when we pretend um, to be something that we're not, for example, that's essentially a lie. And they, the human body and the human nervous system doesn't tolerate any form of lying very well, right? This is why right. the polygraph test works, because our, we, we, um, everything changes, right? The, the temperature of our skin, the amount of moisture coming off of our skin, the um, very, very almost imperceptible change in our vocal pitch, our breathing, our heart rate. It's like our body is setting off an alarm saying, please stop pretending. Um, and so that's, that's that anxiety that we, that we feel. It's this like fundamental human wiring that in the end is such a gift because it's the ultimate permission to just live your truth. You know, it's so interesting. The consequences are anxiety. Yeah. Because I've, you know, as like when I was growing up and stuff, you know, I felt like I needed to be very guarded with my family Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to do that. You know, I, as you were saying, I wanted to live Mm -hmm. my truth and I couldn't, and like I'd have to be so observant of everything I, everything I did and would say, and over yeah. the years, it's definitely it's had its uh, effect on me. So I I totally uh, understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, and so now I mean I I feel like I'm I am uh, 48 years old, and the great gift of middle age for me mm-hmm. has been this sort of realization that and this like ability to just be who I am now. I also, I mean, I think like I definitely have some genetic predisposition to cheerfulness mm-hmm. and also anxiety, right? Uh-huh. But I like I have 
struggled. I struggled so much from the time that I was maybe 12 until probably I was 35 years old with like very severe anxiety. And it all came from pretending, right? Or not, I mean, I don't want to make myself sound like I was a total poser, but I was very, very oriented towards um, overachieving, people Mm -hmm. pleasing. I had a very hard time saying no. Uh I was just holding it all together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I you want to love not holding it together yep. <laughs> you know? like I've just put it all out there right now and it feels much better and you, you say that and it makes total sense of because course. it re- that really outlines where insecurities come from when you're making up things and you're doing things outside of what you really want to do and who you really are then the insecurity adapts from I don't want to say, maybe I should say fake that you're creating. Right, right. Or you're just guessing what other people want to hear. It's like incredibly uh-huh. taxing, right? Yeah. Like you're guessing what it is that you could say that would make them, the other people think highly of you. And then you're crafting that message and putting it out there. That takes like 10 times as much energy as just just saying what you believe or what you want to say or or not saying anything at all yeah right, right. like not saying anything at all yeah is, be- mm-hmm. takes a lot of courage right and we think that that courage is going to be harder than dealing with the like um you know the fallout of not saying the right thing right. or not pleasing somebody or wow. the fallout of disappointing somebody yeah. by saying no or whatever it is. Like we think that it's going to be easier mm-hmm. to experience our own disappointment over other people's or our own stress over other people's. And it's just not true. Wow. wow. That's it's just not true. Absolutely. Wow. I agree with that. And I mean, there was a time to where I felt that I had to, and this may sound a little weird, but like I would have to tap into other people. So like I would say something to sort of match what they want to hear. And then so that it would be spot on. And it's like that perfectionism, you know, like, okay, so Mm -hmm. I'm tapped into their, and it sounds odd, tapped into their energy, so to speak, but that to match Mm -hmm. that so that, you know, that's what they're wanting that in, that was draining. I mean, and I, through my, through what my experience, I didn't like it. You know, it took too much time. And I noticed that I just, it, it wasn't a very uh, comfortable experience. Yeah. No, it's, it's much more uncomfortable in the end than disappointing people. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the irony here is that we're talking about this, like that's the worst case scenario. Right. The worst case scenario is we don't say the thing that makes other people happy and we have to deal with the fallout uh, that comes from that. But the best case scenario I find is much more common. Right. Like we effortlessly live our truth. Right. Because there doesn't it's not draining to do that. It's energizing to live your truth. Wow. And then other people are like, I want some of what she's got. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's like. And then you have these real authentic connections. When people love you, you know they love you, right? Yes. They right. know you. Yes. Not like the, the facade that you can't even remember what facade you put up, uh-huh. right? Because it was like 
in the you created it in the moment and then it's gone right like you have to keep recreating the facade yep and that's not even you wow i mean the thing is like when people love you for your celebrity or your status or your whatever it might be that's not they're not they're not really loving the real you Mm -hmm. right and so it's never enough there is never enough status or celebrity or money or sex or power or whatever the things are right there is never enough to Mm -hmm. satisfy us and um so when we sort of switch out of looking for these things so that we gain social status or approval or all these you know these other things we switch out of that it's like all of a sudden you're just you're free would you say that especially with everyone at um you know in quarantine and at home do you think that the truth is way more important now than it's ever been i can't imagine it yes absolutely i can't imagine that it wouldn't be right like but i but i would say that um it's not really whether or not it's more important it's that you have this great opportunity because i feel like this um quarantine is bringing us all the possibility Mm -hmm. of some downtime to stop spinning so not all of us are taking that opportunity right like i've stayed very busy actually i thought i was gonna have all those time to read and stuff right right and so i don't like i'm getting there but um but like it, it there is this opportunity to slow it all down to get some stillness to see who we really are yeah right? because we all know deep down who we really are but we tend to get very out of touch with it um especially in Hollywood, right? Like in, in that, and we all have our own little personal Hollywoods. Yes. And so we, you know, like we, we can step back from um, our public facing self to get those two things that our inner selves, our true selves, our essential selves, however you want to put it, like back in line with our social selves, right? To just, right. we need to know who we are mm-hmm. first. Absolutely. Right? We need to know what our truth is. Yes. And it's not that people always say, well, how do I know what my truth is? How do I find my truth? You already know. This yes. is not a problem. You know who you are. You just have to remember. And it's a little bit, it can be a little, little bit of about like waking up, like, like waking up from a really deep sleep sometimes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you just have to get, let yourself slow, slow down enough to really look inside um, my best, my best tip comes from um, Martha Beck, who was um, my coach, and um, she she's done a lot of work with Oprah and people like that. And uh-huh. she always says, you know what? If it's your truth, then um, then it will feel like freedom. It feels light in your body. Yeah. And if it's not your truth. If it's wrong for you, if it's a lie for you, it feels heavy. It feels constraining. So you can just pay attention to, you know, what is true for you by going inward, learning to meditate. This is a perfect time to learn how to meditate. Yes. Yes. Uh, You don't even have to learn how to meditate. You can just sit quietly and breathe deeply. Like, I don't even, you know, you you don't have to make a big deal out of it. Start where you are. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nope. So what would you say would be the best advice for people in staying optimistic, especially for now and then uh, after all this is over with? 
Well, there's there's a couple of things. The first is um, instead of thinking about staying optimistic, look, there's just not a ton of cause for optimism in some ways right now. Right. Right. Like I would say, stay in touch with your positive emotions, right? We have such a wide range of positive emotions. We can foster them. In a crisis like this, I think it's really important to foster emotions like compassion and generosity and gratitude for what we have. That doesn't mean like pushing aside our difficult emotions, right? Mm -hmm. You don't, I had a client say to me, you know, I'm just so frustrated with my kids home and this you know, homeschooling and trying to work and everything. I'm like so upside down. I'm just fried. But I know I should feel grateful because we're all so healthy, right? Mm -hmm. So those two things don't cancel each other out, right? Like you can feel your um, challenging emotions like frustration or grief over all you've lost or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And by feeling those challenging emotions, you open yourself up to all emotions because we don't get to selectively numb. So if you're distracting yourself from the more challenging things or denying those things or suppressing those emotions, pretending that you don't feel the way you feel because you should feel grateful, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You, You don't get to selectively numb. So you can distract yourself from those things and not not feel them on a conscious level for the amount of time that you're distracting yourself. But you, then you're also distracting yourself from compassion, right? And from gratitude, from the actual gratitude that you feel like you should feel, you won't be able to feel anything if you're suppressing um, certain emotions. So I think the best thing that we can do in this is to recognize that, um, that a crisis like this is going to bring a huge range of emotions and we need to let ourselves feel the more challenging ones that we might otherwise avoid so that we can metabolize them so that we can integrate them into our lives and so that they will pass and um, and we need to foster the positive ones so what actually makes you feel grateful right once you've felt the sadness then it opens you up to feel like you know I actually I'm in touch right now with a real sense of generosity, you know, with my time, for example, mm-hmm. and um, how I, you know, finding the way that you can help in this crisis is a way to access all those positive emotions, give you a sense of meaning, like what we were yeah. talking about before. What is your value to other people right now? It doesn't have to be the whole world. It could be, right? But it, it could just be to like your mom. Right. Or the, you know, like the good that you can do for um, a single neighbor or a single friend. Um, You know, you guys have such a big platform. You can help a lot of people. Yes. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. we're definitely we're definitely doing that. I Mm -hmm. mean, we've we've spoken to several different specialists, including yourself, several doctors and each one of them have the same frame mind just as well as you do on how to stay positive and get people through this and and uh, presenting all these different tips for you know people to follow and that's been a very important thing for us is especially for ourselves but for our fans and for our new fans that come in uh-huh. is to tell them said you know you're gonna get through this you're gonna be okay you you just you just got to know that and you got to feel that yes. and you got to do that uh-huh. and you'll do that. I mean, we've gone through 
problems in our lifetime before. Uh-huh. So you've managed that. You'll you'll manage this. I promise you, you will. So we're definitely following through with that. Absolutely. So you you I saw this on your website, and I've gone through your Instagram Instagram post about disruptive routines, and I love that. I absolutely love that. And we touched about that a little bit during this conversation, but I wanted you to go a little bit more into that. And and But in theory, I wanted to ask, do you think that our routines being disruptive, do you think that can be harder on mental health? Oh God, yeah, it's really hard. We are creatures of routine, whether we like it or not. Like we could, we, and you know, the novelty seekers among us still have routines, right? We still have habits. We still have, it's the only way that we fall asleep at night. It's the only way that, I mean, it's just, it's not the only way, but it is how our nervous system runs. It's as mammals, right? Right. Mm -hmm. We have a very strong autopilot. And that frees us up to think about consciously about other things, to be creative, to, um, it, you know, the things that we think that we're doing all the time, actually, we're, we're doing for a minority of the time. So when, our, when something big like this happens and all of our normal routines get disrupted, our nervous systems feel really upside down. So I love right. um, this week in the New York Times, there was a article written stop trying to be so productive and i i love that like i read the article like a bunch of times i keep coming back to it because it keep people keep sending it to me and i i always like read the headline again or whatever because it's like you know really this is so hard on us right your nervous system is fried even if you're not doing anything because your routines are upside down i noticed so the first week that I was in self-quarantine and my kids were all coming home and everything was just such so upside down. But meanwhile, I already work from home. So I felt like, oh, I've got this thing. I mean, right. most of the time, not all the time, but I, I have a home office at least. And I, I, do, I did already do some work from home. Right. right? So I'm like, okay, I, I can, this is not such a big deal for me. Right. Like that mm-hmm. was my attitude going in and I'm yep. like cranking out the content and super highly productive. Okay. It was Thursday before I realized I was sitting at dinner with my kids and I realized like my teeth felt funny. Like I had sweaters on my teeth and I was like, Oh my God, I didn't brush my teeth this morning. <laughs> not only about, like, barely getting dressed and not showering. Like who would have thunk it? Where like, I, yeah. I am like a born again flosser. I, I do not neglect my oral hygiene ever, but my, like every little routine was disrupted to the point where, I mean, that's when for me, I knew I'm like, okay, that's when I started the little Instagram um, series about like, yes. all right, we have to recreate all new, we have to recreate all new routines mm-hmm. for ourselves. How do we do that? Well, we know actually, it's like writing code for the autopilot part of our brain wow. we know exactly how it's done and um that's the good news right like you don't have to like pump yourself up or try and rely on willpower and motivation because that will come and go that's only like good on mondays the first day of the month the first day of your new effort <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no. those of us who have failed who have 
who've made resolutions and failed at them before feel like, oh, this is a hard thing to do. But don't worry. It's not a hard thing to do. You can do it. Yep. 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 You know, we were almost the same way when the, the we thought the same way as well, because we've been used to being at home at some points of our life. But we're also on the go a lot. Yeah. And we before this, mm-hmm. we did our show in the studio. Mm-hmm. So there was it we always loved doing it in the studio and then when we had to when they came and say okay you're gonna have to do it at home and we're like all right that'll be great i love doing it at home it's an audio it's you know it's not a visual thing so you know we can be comfortable in doing that i tell you the first few interviews that we did (laughs) at home i wouldn't say it was a nightmare because of technology it was a nightmare because we were so out of our normal and we were like Mm-hmm. Wow, should I should I literally go get dressed up for this? What if they can see actually see me? Well, they can't. You're you're you you don't have a camera on your computer. You don't have this and this and that. And, and but so we many, still got dressed well, we anyway because you mean, know you wanted to feel like you were like we were going to the studio. We had to. We had to make it up some little way to do that to make it feel comfortable. And so I, you know, eventually I had to train my mind. Uh, one thing I always trained my mind with going before this business and doing other nine to five jobs before I got here was, you know, live my life smarter. Don't live my life harder. You know mm-hmm. how they, you know, in something along yeah. that line. Yeah. And so I had to keep telling myself that and said, okay, live it smarter, not harder, smarter, smarter. So eventually it started to become more comfortable. And then you know, we adjusted ourselves. So then that way, when this does go back to a normal, we can easily go back into what we did and wouldn't feel like we're jet lagged in a sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I get you. That was the same way with us. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. Absolutely. I think we're all going through it in our own way. And I think that there's a tip in that. And that is like to get dressed. Right, yes. like, you got to hang on to some sort of normal, and um, and we we're communicating to ourselves that it's a work day, that we yes. are gonna, you know, that it's not a weekend and that we're not sick, right? Like, yeah, and that one of the key ways that we do that is, you know, hygiene. Yes, <laughs> like yep. getting mm-hmm. dressed, what we wear. But there are actually studies that show that um, that like if you put a white lab coat on, you are smarter. You make smarter. Um, medical decisions and like you know even if you're not a doctor right and like they dress in this study they dress people up based on you know whatever they're looking for and it 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 sends cues to your brain to sharpen you know different parts of your brain so you know you're talking about that and it it reminds yeah it reminds me of actors in a sense you know because there's costuming and they have their outfits and it gets them into the role so it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I've, of my four kids, um, the youngest is actually, um, you know, I think the most sensitive and, and therefore the most susceptible to um, just feeling, having a lot of emotions yep, around mm-hmm. disrupted routine. Uh-huh, yep. And she's so funny because she's the one who has, like, buckled down the first and the hardest in terms of like 
and she won't listen to me, right? Because that's she's seventeen. They're, they're, you know what I mean. Like <laughs> I, I, she has a mother who's an expert on getting into routines. She will not let me give her advice, but she just knows it intuitively, and she's watched us do it over the years. So she's the one who has a bedtime, who gets herself up at the same time every day, who gets fully dressed before she does her like online classwork. Um, like, wow. so she, she'll come in and say hello. And I'm like, God, you look so cute, right? Like, <laughs> so adorable. And I like for a while, I mean, like the first few days I kept saying, you look so cute. And then she's like, it's just because I'm not in my pajamas like the rest of the kids. Right. Uh, I managed to get dressed. Right. But it does. It's like signals to everybody that like she's high functioning right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. So one thing you talked about uh, with Dr. Oz, which I love that interview, by the way, you talked about (laughs) simple happiness boosters. Yes. I love that. Can you go through just a few of the tips for me oh my god okay so i've been on dr oz a few times and that was the last time was years ago but what i remember most um about that one of the tips i think had to do with walnuts because Uh. there was like some inside joke about soaking walnuts or whatever that i was missing the whole time on the show so there must have been a tip Uh. (laughs) related to omega-3s and eating well. And what we do know is in terms of you want to boost your happiness, there are some foundational things that really matter a lot. So uh-huh. before you go for the um, like the, the more esoteric happiness boosters, first fix your sleep, your exercise, and your food. Uh-huh. Right? So, um, so get it, you know, making sure you're getting high quality sleep and enough of it is really, real. I mean, this is the science of the blazingly obvious, right? Like we know that, like, look at any underslept person. It's very hard to be truly happy when you're um, underslept or if you're not getting high quality sleep because your body is so stressed so physically right. stressed. It's the same as having a psychological stressor, only sometimes worse because you're less aware of it. And so your body is in fight or flight. You know, you're using cortisol and adrenaline to sort of keep you running. It's, it's almost impossible to be really happy if you're tired. Um, we know exercise is the best really like short-term happiness booster that there is right? because of biochemically what it does, we, we are hardwired to, um, I always think of the like people out there running, like the hunter gatherers out there, you know, moving for miles and miles every day, right? Mm-hmm. The the um, the our brains' natural opioids are released when we do that. I think we're hardwired that way so that it would keep us moving. I mean, that was gazillions of years ago, of course, when we evolved for that. But our brains are basically the same, right? It responds to movement Mm -hmm. and um, not just endorphins, but natural opioids are released um, when we move. Um, And so doing that and then, of course, high quality food and for and actually from a food standpoint, you know, you're fine eating any diet of whole foods that you want. Um, Uh and you know, you don't really have to like, I'm not going to tell you you have to be ketogenic or any of those things, but we do know from a mood standpoint, the, um, 
the processed oils and hydrogenated fats are really bad for they're they're really mood killers. Wow! Like from an instant standpoint, like you could have a donut and then an hour later not just be feeling the effects of the sugar crash, but the effect of the the trans fats and all the bad all the bad fats will make you uh, more irritable, more prone to not just anger, but rage. Mm. Wow. So food really affects our mood. We know this, but sometimes we need to be reminded. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So did you enjoy all those interviews, by the way? Because you also were on the Oprah show, right? And Rachel Ray. Yeah. I love yeah. Rachel Ray. Yeah. Oh, Gosh. I had so much fun. I actually really enjoy it. I don't know what that says about me, but I really love doing television interviews. And, I had, yes. you know, I, I was just on um, Hallmark Home and Family, which I yeah. wasn't like aware of. As uh-huh. a, you yeah, know, I've seen one I or two of those. I so much fun. I just like doing it. So. Yeah. It is, it is a so totally different worth, world. You know? mm-hmm. It is a totally different world. And, you know, when we have to do television projects, it's it's like, oh, you at first you almost think you're going to be so nervous and so scared because you have this big machine in front of your face. But at the same time, it's it's so exhilarating. And yeah. Then if, yeah. you know, you get if you're in front of the audience, it's even more exhilarating because now you can see all their facial expressions and now you can see all the oohs yeah. and the ahs and the interestings and you're like, oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So it's a, it's a big adrenaline yeah. rush. Absolutely. And then after that, you're like, yeah, after totally. it's all done and, you know, you're back home or whatever, and you're like, I really thoroughly enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Totally. You know? Yes. Totally. Well, totally. you know, one thing I... don't I, know. I think, like, we all must have a little bit of a performer in us, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's not like a pretender, right? Uh-huh. That's different. Like, it's a different form of expression. Yeah. Oh, there was nothing... Like, I was a performance for me when I go on television. I am performing in a way, but I'm not pretending to be something I'm not. There you I'm go. just expressing myself in mm-hmm. this other way. And yep. it's exhilarating. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is. Or it can be. It is. And you know what? I agree with you. I think everybody does have, have some talent, if not a lot of talent, in them. And, you know, one of the... Uh, one of the celebrities that we interviewed, uh, Eileen Graff. I don't yeah. know if you remember Eileen. She yeah. remember the old uh, '80s show, Mr. Belvedere. Yeah. Yes, she played the yeah. mom. Eileen played the mom on Mr. Belvedere. Oh. And uh, one thing that her and her husband do is they do a lot of uh, uh, training sessions, for, vocal training sh- sessions, because they do a lot of work in theater and on Broadway and so forth. And the one thing she said is she goes, I believe that everyone can sing. It's just the ones that think they can't, they're too busy listening to the to people tell them that they can't. You know, there's mm-hmm. all, everybody mm-hmm. can be trained and everybody can always use improvement, but everybody can sing. They just got to know and believe that they do and be guided in that direction. So I agree. Everyone has a lot of talent. So real quick before we wrap this up, I do have one good question that, uh, you know, might be affecting a lot of different people right now. And and that's generally about love. Yeah. And, you know, for Mm -hmm. ourselves, we've been together for 20 something years and we're around each other (laughs) 24-7. So we're used to it. We are totally used to 
having that that space invaded by each other for those <laughs> for those that aren't and you know husband and wife is around each other 24 7 and you know they're having a hard time do you think that there is a way to recreate falling in love like they did when they first met well there's not that much evidence I mean, yes, there are some theories about how to do it. I think a better approach is to think about, like, this is not about going back to where you were when you first met, because that's a different type of love, and it's more it has more to do with a biochemistry, right? That, right. Um, it looks in the brain more like addiction than it looks like true, long-lasting, companionate love, right? right. That, like, you guys have. And so it's thinking about, like, how can I transform this into something even better? And this is where the meaning piece of things comes in, Uh right? Like, like, you know, the honeymoon phase is happy. The um, long-term relationship is meaningful. And, um, And usually happiness follows meaning. Right. Like, but your, your efforts are better spent in thinking about like, how can I make this other person happy? Um, how can I make this deepen our connection? Not evaluating whether or not the person is the right person for you, that you're in quarantine with them. They're the right person for you. This is who you've chosen or who the universe has delivered to you. Work with what you have, commit to it, right? Like commit to it over the long haul, commit to things that are going to take you forward that you're going to want to hang on to when this whole ordeal is over you know right. i so i i saw something on um, instagram yesterday that i thought oh this is so helpful for everyone it was young pueblo's instagram account if you don't follow him i really think he's amazing uh-huh. um, and so and i had a lot of clients who were like i'm home i'm in a really challenging marriage they, i like they all say that i'm like because that's because marriage is really challenging uh-huh. <laughs> you're not unique sorry um but anyway, what, what young Pueblo wrote, he wrote, hate reveals your emptiness, love makes you free. And I just think that that's such a lovely little mantra for us with uh-huh. our spouses as we um, were spending a lot of time. Like when, when I, you know, I had a client who said to me, I hate my husband. And she didn't really mean that she hated her husband for real. She just meant he's driving her crazy. Right. And, um, and she really liked hates a lot of his mannerisms and all those kinds of things. But to use those moments as an opportunity to look inward at yourself. Once again, we can only keep our side of the street clean. We're not going to change other people. They, they can change themselves and they might be inspired to change themselves by you, but not, but it'll be probably pretty indirect. So like, look at like, what is your irritation revealing about your own emptiness? right now like what is it that you need how can you fill your own needs and then the love makes you free part is so great like just deciding to love the person and um and to to do things to make them feel loved is um ironically our own path to freedom wow wow very nice very nice so Two more questions and we're good. Is there any uh, advice that you would like to close out for our fans? You got this thing. 
Remember, Absolutely. yes. Right? Like, we're in a hard place. You already know who you are. You know what your value is. If you slow down enough, you trust yourself, trust your inner knowing, you got it. You're, you're already doing it uh, uh, well enough. Right. Like this isn't nobody does a pandemic perfectly. We don't know what that looks like. Right. We've never done this before. Right. So um, to just trust yourself. And then the I love the part of the conversation that we've had. I just want to reiterate, like, if you can just live your truth through this whole thing, it will take courage for sure. But it will be less effort in the end. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. Christine, what services do you provide and where can people find you? My website is christinecarter.com and I services I provide. I'm a coach and I um I would I love coaching. There's a waiting list that people can sign up for there and I have put out lots of content as well. So you can find it all there. My books, my newsletters, my Instagram videos are all you can find me through christinecarter.com. Well, Christine, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for all your advice. And and in general, thank you so much for being you and working so hard in this and, and helping people out during these times and even before and after. You know, just know you're very well needed and it, you're very well appreciated in the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Aw, thank you guys so much. I appreciate oh. that. Oh, you're no welcome. problem. Well, thank you again for being on the show and we most definitely wish you well. I wish you well as well. Everything is all about happiness. Yes! What an amazing Stay Well episode. And again, all talks about happy. Yay! Which is something <laughs> that we need to be doing right now. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. So staying happy. Happy is very, very important. It's important to stay well and stay happy. Yes. Yes. Well, we want to thank Dr. Christine Carter for joining us today. Go to her website and check out all the amazing services that she provides. And again, educate yourself. Take advantage of what you need to help you get through whatever it is that you need to get through right now because we're all in in this together that's right absolutely you can find out today's links about everything that we talked about on our show as well as her own website at our website kristenwill.com absolutely and check that information out and again i encourage you to take advantage of those services you can also follow us on instagram at chris.ann.will absolutely and again join us next week for another great episode of what about our life with chris and will and be sure to tell your friends about Mm -hmm. us we love to entertain we love to keep people well so again thank you guys so much for joining us we love you remember to love yourself and the world will love you in return. We want to thank Dr. Christine Carter for joining us. We want to thank you for joining us. And again, we invite you to come back next week for another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. But for now, we gotta go. Bye. Bye.